2: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, the Dukes are still undefeated. We have a basketball season coming up here. Soccer teams look good.
1: Pretty cool. It's a great, great time to be a Duke. That's right. That's exactly right. Fantastic time to be a Duke. JMU is arguably the best team, um, not only in football, but in men's soccer, maybe women's soccer. They took down App State yesterday, a little bit of a mini upset, the five over the four. So they're still playing in the uh, Sun Belt Women's Soccer Conference Tournament. Uh, men's basketball, women's basketball starting. Both picked, I think, to finish first in the Sunbelt. Yeah. Both picked to win. So, I mean... All these other schools, ODU, Arkansas State, ULM, you know, Virginia Tech, UVA, they all want to be us, but they can't.
0: That's exactly right. It's also a great time to be a three-notch customer because they have Minuteman Mondays, $3 Minuteman pours every Monday, Tuesdays. You get half off the cases that Valley Clubhouse folks, this scroller, this ticker is going quick today (laughs) and every Friday. You can go to Three Notch in Harrisonburg for the first half Friday, a new brew weekly. We love Three Notch. We're stoked. They're supporting us again through this season. And we're now in the same month that we will have a live podcast at the Three Notch Harrisonburg location, November 17th, 5 p.m. We'll be doing a little live podcast, which may serve as more of like a Q&A type thing. Um, but we'll figure that out as we go. And I uh, can't wait.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic time. Come for First Tap Friday. $3 pours of that first tap. Come chat with us. Just just, just get all of your general musings uh, second time. Count how many times the musings is said in this podcast. Yes. Uh, all just general JMU sports musings. Uh, and just have a good time. And get ready for the men's basketball game. We're all going to the game post-podcast. Uh, take in that JMU-Radford game. On, Sa- on Friday and then heading out to the App State game on Saturday and then maybe taking in the women's basketball game on Sunday as well. A full JMU sports weekend that you don't want to miss out on. And another thing you don't want to miss out on is the fact that the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access anytime. Head to the BetOnline website today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online, where the game starts. There's a reason Christopher William Jewelers has been voted best of Virginia year after year. It's not just one thing that sets us apart. It's everything. It's the selection, extensive and unmatched, with every engagement ring, loose diamond, and fashion jewelry chosen for quality and brilliance. It's the service. From our diamond experts to our master goldsmith, our team shares a passion for what they do, and it shows. It's the atmosphere, both glamorous and laid back. See for yourself why people can't stop talking about Christopher William Jewelers in Harrisonburg and Weird cave
0: and now folks we'll move into the football portion of the podcast which i'm you seem a little starstruck is everything okay <laughs> was that not playing for you like the again
1: stream yard i guess glitched on my end and i was just here heard it you. again talk as the ad was blaring in my ear
0: no mine ended my <laughs> I, I heard the ad i was all clear to go weir's <laughs> cape boom boom they're both <laughs> glamorous and laid back hard to achieve both but they've done it and um yeah i was my ready computers. to talk about Jamie beating odu in football
1: yeah i mean yeah my my computer's been acting very weird recently you know when you like haven't turned your computer off for like a yeah. week. And it starts to get really slow. Yeah. That's kind of where
0: (laughs) it should be a perfect podcast.
1: Yeah. So everything is off (laughs) to a great start. Can't wait. Jay. This is the start of this game is much like the start of the ODU game back on last Saturday homecoming night. JMU, a 40 yard deep bomb. That was kind of what our ad reads were like. Mm -hmm. And then the next play was an interception much Mm -hmm. like me forgetting or, or hearing so many different things all at once.
0: Yeah. Pretty crazy. It was uh, only a 30 to 27 win, which is frustrating for me because I was pretty excited to come on here and gloat about all the people last week who were like 20 point spread, that's crazy. I know better than Vegas, and it's not even really Vegas, right? Because like it's just like the computer algorithm that's probably located in like Massachusetts for DraftKings. But um, no, I, I thought they were gonna cover the 20 and a half points. I thought Jamie was gonna win this game by a billion, but credit to ODU. I thought they looked pretty good. And JMU sort of played like early season JMU.
1: I don't think they did. You don't think so? I thought it was very much early season-esque. I do not think so. I also think JMU was on the precipice of covering that spread each and every time they scored. After they went up 14-3, to every time they scored a touchdown, and this is a huge credit to ODU, They ODU answered right back with a touchdown of their own. And then if JMU didn't have a good drive, ODU didn't have a good drive. It was a very weird game in that sense.
0: Yeah, they they did an impressive job. I was impressed with them and their scheme is awesome, right? The
1: I don't know if awesome's the word I would use because it it strikes fear into me now for the next you know ten years as long as uh, Rain is there as their head coach deploying that offensive scheme because uh, Ronnie <laughs> show some respect. is that how you pronounce his last name
0: yeah it's gotten me for a while and then i heard (laughs) it like 25 times and i had to double check like 25 times i was like that can't be how
1: it's spelled r-a-h-n-e right yeah and that's somehow ronnie all right all right yeah
0: i know but whoever they're they got a guy from fordham whose name i just should have looked up before i grant wilson Yeah, but the offensive coordinator is also from Fordham.
1: Oh, is that why they brought in him? Yes,
0: because Grant Wilson had played, like, no football at Fordham, so he just knew that he could, like, be Execute the same plan. But they put the receivers basically out of bounds, um, which maybe at the end of the game was maybe too much for one of the receivers who lined up, like, seven yards into JMU secondary, cost him (laughs) 10 seconds. But they're so wide that they create, like, a nice little numbers advantage in the middle to run, or they run a bunch of, like, little – just one-on-one stuff against your DBs. It's, it's like tough to stop, especially if you're JMU where it, it puts your corners in a lot of one-on-one situations.
1: Or like wide out stacks where you're running yeah. like the screen, but the, like, but they perfectly time it. And I think JMU fans would say that it wasn't perfectly timed, but looking back, I think it was perfectly timed where the front receiver doesn't engage in the block until the pass, like right. Perfectly like, get like borderline. It's very close. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very close, but I don't don't think it ever really was. And with that, then all of a sudden you have two corners and essentially the, 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 the front receiver is taking both of them out of the play and the wide receiver screen can pick up seven yards before a player really even gets anywhere remotely close to tackling them. But I really think that game was more the fact that ODU is good and that we all undersold them. I think JMU like I said, was on was on the cusp of blowing it open a few different times, but ODU, credit to them, was able to bounce back and, and play really well. But I don't think it was early season JMU creeping back into it. I think it was more so just a really good college football game. They played a really similar game to that of their Georgia Southern and Marshall game in that, I mean, first down success rate was very similar. They're passing it still a whole hell of a lot more than they run it on first down. And despite having a 34% success rate on the entire game on rush plays, they had a 66% success rate on first down runs, the best mark of the season. So I think this team has progressed really well. Since the bye week, they flipped the script. They've been passing it a ton on first downs. And I think this game was just more so the fact that the scheme that ODU runs is really hard to stop.
0: I I agree. I think there's like, there's a strong side to that argument. the The thing that gets me is like the way we view JMU now is like they're like a top twenty five team nationally. Yeah. If twenty fourth ranked USC beat ODU at home by three, I'd be like, oh my god, they're such a fraud. But I wouldn't be like that scheme will test you. I'd be like, wow, they have a
1: terrible defensive
0: coordinator, which they do. And I would, I'd would be like, oh my god! Like, how could
1: they? How could they? Well, you know what the thing is, though. I think three. USC would be in a three-point game at home. They they Ohio. might right They beat Cal by a point. So uh, I guess that's maybe is that, that much that. better than beating ODU by three? Like no, honestly, I,
0: no, I don't think maybe the, some of these teams that are in the top twenty-five aren't as aren't as good as we think. Um, but I don't know. I was a, a little disappointed with some of it, especially like the fact that the offense was sweet, and then you get into the fourth quarter and they had two three-and-outs. One play went our one drive went five plays like they were horrible offensively
1: in the fourth quarter. Oh, disgusting. Like you said, two, three and outs, the other drive they had in the, they had three drives in the fourth quarter, two, three and outs, a five and out. They ran just 14 plays to, I believe I wrote this down. So I'm really glad you hit on this 14 plays compared to 24 fourth quarter plays from ODU, including a long drive from the Monarchs on the whole game though, kind of sustained long drives was really difficult for JMU. They had two plays of nine, two drives of nine plays, which came on the second drive and then in the middle of the second quarter. And their longest drive of the game was 11 plays. And that was the first drive of the second half.
0: They did some nice stuff. And then they had a couple they just like couldn't finish. I think they, what, they had the two interceptions and then they turned it over on down.
1: Was it an interception or was it a fumble or what did it hit the ground?
0: That, the first one was stupid because it was like a pretty good pass that like was became a you know an interception that um, they should have looked at closer. And yeah. the I know there are some ODU fans too. They're like every play is reviewed. Yes, but if you pause it, you have more time to look at different <laughs> angles. Like if you think that they had a enough time to thoroughly look at that, I, I feel like you're.
1: you're I, it time. wasn't a pick. Definitely hit the ground. Which is why when when I heard that it may have been ruled a fumble, I was like, okay. It wasn't a I don't... fumble either, though. <laughs> I mean <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely yeah. not a fumble. <laughs> but it also definitely wasn't an interception. That <laughs> was it tough. hit the ground. Like it hit that the ground. Tough.
0: Yeah, it was just it's crazy that they had 463 yards of total offense and then what 30 points and two of them were a safety. Like they could have scored. And Signetti oh. said after the game, he thought they should have scored 14 to 17 more. Well, he said it this week. He didn't say it after the game. After the game, he's usually more like we pretty positive. I, the-
1: yeah, I think a big reason why they're unable to cap off a lot of these drives is just their lack of ability at running the football. And I don't think that's going to get much better, no. which is kind of a little scary. Like they, they have to figure out ways to create faux runs through the pass game. And I don't mean bubble screens because bubble screens are the bane of my existence. And every time one of those is run, I yell at the television as loud as I can, no matter where I am. How did the, how on fourth and one do you do that again? A screen to Sprawls after
0: what happened in the Virginia game? That was one of the turnover on downs. Was fourth and one? No, I know.
1: No, and they have, did it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I terrible. don't mind him on the other downs, but also McLeod has missed both of those fourth and one throws on the screens. Horribly, like they're caught. (laughs) The play is dead because it sprawls like behind his body, jumping in the air. The play is just completely dead immediately. It's a risky play because if he doesn't throw it perfectly,
1: it's dead. Oh, it's not a good ball. ball. That's one of the times that I'm like, just give it to Tyson to just run up the gut. Like, just have him hit the hole. I I have more faith in Tyson Lawton getting three yards when you need two more than a bubble screen to Phoenix Sproles gets one. Is there? Any play in football that is more
0: like the play call was good or the play call sucked based on result, just of like a fourth and one. Like if they run fourth and one and don't get it up the middle, we'd all be like, you can't just run up the middle. Everybody knows (laughs) it's coming. And then they run a screen and we're like, why are you not running up the middle? You idiots. But if either of those worked, we'd be like, yep, just run it down their throat. Or we'd be like, wow, smart to go screen there. Stretch them out wide. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's
0: one where like, if you don't get it, everyone's just very mad.
1: Yeah. Uh, that game for from Jordan McLeod, do you think that may have been his one of his rougher games on the season? I thought he was pretty good.
0: I thought, I thought he played all right. He threw for 340, three touchdowns, two picks. two picks. The one pick wasn't really his fault. It was like a fake pick, so I give him a little bit of a pass. I the thought
1: second was... pick was weird, though. Like, it was him extending a play. <laughs> he tends to do this, like, once yeah. a game where he, like, escapes. And maybe he should just tuck it and run but like tries to put on his Superman cape and rolls out. And I think he just threw like a lob pass looking for a random person and was right to, to you.
0: Yeah. He also threw some nice deep balls to Brown and then Surratt had a huge game. They both had huge games. They combined yeah. for like CS. So yes, they combined for 17 catches for 281 yards and three touchdowns. So that was very good. Yeah. Uh, but he he definitely missed a couple. I know Signetti threw another press conference tidbit in where there was a play where i guess he scrambled and if he stays in or shifts the protection um dollison's wide open for a deep touchdown allegedly um (laughs) (laughs) so he's still got like room to improve which is interesting because his stats are still very very nice
1: normally every game when i hear signetti say these things he there's a lot left out there jordan needs to make better plays he needs to execute i normally just think it's signetti blowing smoke and i pay no attention to it this game i kind of agreed Like, I was watching it at the game, and I was like, oh, there's some missed reads here. But like you said, they did score 30 points, and I know two of those came from a safety, and the defense played exceptionally well. Do you know that JMU has scored 30 points or more five times this season out of their seven FBS games? That's not bad. Did you know JMU has scored the most points against Troy in a Sunbelt game this year?
0: Yes, Troy's defensive stats are crazy. I was looking at these the other day. They played, what do they play? Four Sunbelt games? I think so. Yeah, it's a little scary. The, three of the four teams they played have been held to their season low in scoring, including JMU. The one that wasn't was Arkansas State, which scored three, but Oklahoma had <laughs> shut them out before.
1: <laughs> but that's crazy. Like they're giving up nothing. Yeah, the the second most points they've allowed this year is is thirteen. And I know we're talking ODU here, but this is my way to say like, I think even though there's mistakes, I think JMU's defense is still elite, mm-hmm. and I think the offense is still one of the best offenses in the entire Sun Belt. I'm nowhere close to being panicked after that close win.
0: I, I'm definitely not panicked. I thought they could have been a little cleaner. Could have been a little better, but I think, yeah, at the end of the year, we're probably going to look at, well, even now kind of looking at Old Dominion, their, their one double digit loss was to Virginia Tech in the opening game. Um, they actually hung in for a while. Should have beat Wake Forest, had a good chance to beat Marshall, beat App, right, beat Louisiana, which is looking like a decent win. So, yeah, it's it's one that I think you'll go ahead and take the take the win, sort of however it comes. But, but going back to your earlier point, I do think they're really good defensively. I mean, sorry, on offense as well. They can't run the ball effectively at all. And they suck on third and fourth down. Like, they're horrible. But the offense is still good. That's very strange to me.
1: This this is the weirdest offense I've ever seen because they are so clearly one-dimensional. And if you get them into third down, you get the ball back. (laughs) Yeah, they're bad on third down. (laughs) And somehow they're one of the most efficient units in the Sun Belt on first and second down. And it's really been key since... The bye week I was looking at my because I've been tracking the first down success rate all season Mm -hmm. because I'm a nerd and I like going in and looking at the play by play and and tracking it myself. There's a straight line of delineation after that stretch after the South Alabama game. They have the bye week. Georgia Southern comes. They go from running it on average on first down at about a 55 60 percent clip to almost flipping it entirely to passing now 60 percent of the time. And their success rate on first down has gone from 40, 45% to 55,
0: 60%. Yeah, it's it's really nice to know that during the bye, the coaches just listen to the podcast.
1: I mean, realized, that's what I was thinking.
0: They just realized they got to throw it more because we've been telling them just chuck it deep, James Franklin style, and uh, it's working out. Which is great. trying
1: to pull up what their, what their exact success rate on running the ball is because it's – 118th in the nation, 38.2% this season. You said earlier, and we got the Tyshawn Wyatt injury now, right?
0: He's out for the season. So left tackle, right tackle, Nick Kidwell out for the season. You don't you don't
1: see the last four
0: weeks of a no. running game coming out of coming we out have there.
1: enough, we have enough of a sample to say that the running game is bad. Why do you think it's bad? Oh, this is a great, great question. I think it's bad because I don't think the offensive line run blocks well.
2: Which is surprising.
1: It is, and I also think because there's a strong difference in Kalon Black's numbers and Tyson Lawton's numbers. Lawton is hovering around right around zero for expected points added, which looking at all of the running backs in the Sun Belt is one of the better numbers because it's really hard to have a positive EPA when you run the ball, which is why you should not run the ball. But Kalon Blacks is around 0.14, negative 0.14. And, and it's a it's a pretty steep drop-off from the rest of uh the running like the top tier running backs in the Sun Belt. I think Kalon, I don't know if it's injury related. I don't know what it is, but it seems like he may lack a step or or maybe gets a little too happy feet behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know what these play calls are. I don't know what the blocking schemes are supposed to do. I'm watching this all from the broadcast angle. I really have no idea what I'm talking about, but from home, that's what it kind of feels like. It also feels like Tyson's hitting the first hole he sees very hard, and that just propels him forward for four yards every time. Was Percy just that good? I also think that's the other thing. I think we we really underestimated how elite Percy was. Yeah, he made some runs last year that were really special. And that opened things up for everyone else. Even,
0: I was just going to say, even healthy Centeo was a different kind of like physical runner than McLeod. Like it was just a little different with the way they ran, even. I feel like that opened some stuff up too.
1: I I think also Cignetti's. Kind of mindset in running the football is between the tackles, hard nose, be physical, get hit at three yards, fall forward for five, hit, get hit at five yards, fall forward for you are, you're always falling forward for extra yards. Tyson kind of fits that mold. Kalon hasn't really done that as much. Kalon is an elite level passing back though. Like on passing downs and he catches the ball, he's one of the best receivers on the team. I love him out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, catching the ball, he's definitely got an edge there over a lot. And it's interesting to see what they'll do. Um, and then Signetti in a press conference was kind of asked about the running backs and said Latrell Palmer, like a time for him could still come the rest of the year. They really haven't used him at all
1: the last few weeks. Uh, I don't think you can say really haven't. They haven't. Yeah, how like many he, weeks
0: in a row has he not got a carry? It's a couple at least. Let's see. Um, yeah, I think didn't get a carry he- against Marshall. So obviously didn't get a carry against ODU. He wasn't even I don't think he even went in a game against ODU. So or I, he never I didn't see and him then Georgia Southern,
1: there. he didn't didn't get a carry. Since the bye, he has not played. He has not gotten that's any, pretty any. interesting. But John Appleseed said on our YouTube comments play calls are kind of predictable. That's also a good point where it feels that's like true. there's not there's not a ton of creativity in the running game.
0: No, and and in, at least in some of the games, kind of even the timing of when the runs would come, they've gotten a little better with that. But early in the year, that's part of, I think, some of that EPA number and yards per carry and all that stuff gets hit when, like, the defense knows you're going to run it. Even in the ODU game when they're trying to burn clock late, like, some of those, it's like, all right, it's a run.
1: Direct. Which, again, I really, like, we saw a little bit of it, the, the end around to Dollison. We've seen moments of it, but I want to see it more on a consistent basis. I really, really want to see them try and incorporate the pass game into the run game. And what I mean by that is not bubble screens, but maybe a guy in motion and a a quick forward pass, a shovel pass to him to get him out into space, get Dollison on quick slants, maybe run a little bit of that. And you can't implement this at this point unless it's been already been practicing. But like a a double stack where the receiver goes forward and, and kind of runs what ODU runs something to get your guys in space without having to get mauled after two yards. Be nice to see.
0: Definitely be nice to see. You mentioned the defense though. Quite pleased with the defense. They gave up some big plays, but overall against the scheme, I thought they hung in there. Well, Jalen green had another huge game, nine tackles, three tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Jack, you putting him in the Heisman conversation because people, Jimmy fans are floating him. As a Heisman candidate, 15 and, and a half to... sacks leads the country. No FBS player with 20 sacks or more in a season since Elvis Doomerville in 2005 for Louisville.
1: Um, does he lead the country in sacks? Didn't think we oh, were eligible. Yeah, that's, that's so true. But, but 15 and a half Okay, a so sacks. the the Heisman talk, yes, he is having an otherworldly year. He's having an all-American caliber year. He is not having a Heisman year, mainly for these few reasons. The precedent, the precedent, the precedent, the precedent (laughs) has not been set for this. Since 2000, an offensive player has won every single Heisman, with 19 of those being quarterbacks. This is a quarterback award. The last and only primary defender to win the award, I don't know why I put only in there. The last primary defender to win this award was, was Charles. Thought, Le-
0: yeah, I added was, that when I was editing. But he
1: was the—he's <laughs> the only one to ever
0: do it who plays like defense as their primary position.
1: Back in the day, like old days, like some linebackers got it. I didn't see that in the Heisman list when I looked. Oh, I okay. think I—they I it might, might have been running
0: back linebacker, like
1: dual hybrid. Guys. But yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like it's nobody wins it on defense. And a group of five player has not been a finalist in my recent memory. Yeah, I can't remember anyone. So like it, he's having an, an otherworldly season. If he finishes with 20 plus sacks, he should be getting all of the media attention he deserves. He should be on every single all american list every per- he should be first team everything he should be sunbelt player of the he should be sunbelt player of the year not, not defensive. defensive like his impact on the game he is the most impactful player in the entire sunbelt but to say he's a heisman almost takes away from what he's done in my opinion it, it just feels like why, why do we want to focus on something he can't do and be be upset about what he can't have when instead we can just hype him up and just this guy is having a historic year, a year that is gonna blow out whatever Charles Haley has done at JMU. It's gonna blow out anything that could come in the future. Jalen Green's season is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got a chance to, to get to 20 sacks. And I think what this single season record holders like DACA with 16 and a half in a 16-game season because of like an FCS Yeah. playoff run. I that's I kind of agree with you where I feel like fans should argue for him as like an All-American, or one of the def- best defenders in college football. The Heisman, one, he's not going to win it as a groupified defensive player. And two, like... Even if he was a I don't defensive know he,
1: player at Alabama, he's not winning it. Even if he put up 23 sacks.
0: It's really hard. Like Hutchinson last a couple of years ago got second or something, and that's because he had like this very prominent rise and had a huge game against Ohio State. They don't have a game like that on the schedule, which is fair. Two, when you're like detracting from a Heisman campaign is like, look, best team they played this year is Troy, right? Like, are you the best player in college football? I don't know. I don't know he's the best player in college football. He's insanely good, producing at an unbelievable level. But yeah, I think maybe maybe take, take a deep breath on, on the Heisman talk.
1: He's a senior. He has an additional year of eligibility, whether he chooses to pursue NFL draft options. I think he has a legit shot at being drafted yeah. uh, in a high round, probably becomes – I would, I would be shocked if he's not the highest drafted Duke in the last 15 years. Yeah. He's playing great football.
0: I would, I just think it's worth just being like, look at the footballs he's playing instead of like, this is a travesty that he's not being floated as a Heisman guy. Yeah. Also some websites that do like weekly Heisman stuff have actually floated him and given him like, like weekly individual honors and things like that. That's pretty impressive for like a transitioning (laughs) FBS team like that. Seems good. I don't know. Yeah. You <laughs> don't yeah. necessarily need to lobby for, for more. Like people are already kind of noticing. I think just hype him up for what he's done, which has played really good football.
1: You know who else has played really good football?
0: Jordan McLeod.
1: Georgia State. Mm. Yeah, your boys, but uh coming <laughs> off a big old loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is this a letdown spot for JMU? Is this a get right spot for the Panthers? Our three-notched weekly preview. The Dukes travel to the ATL to take on Georgia state in something that they call a stadium. Uh, Their head coach, Sean Elliott, an absolute madman. They come into today's, or I guess Saturday's game, six and two, three and two in conference. Their two losses were against Troy and Georgia Southern. I don't appreciate what you changed on the outline. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They started their program in 2011, and this has been their best season since starting the program. Back in 2011, great offensively, terrible defensively. Um, They rely on a few different things. They do play a spread offense. I don't think it's as spread and as kind of crazy as ODUs, but it is spread. They're going to spread you out, and they're going to attack with Marcus Carroll, their running back, and quarterback Darren Granger they're also going to attack through quick passes. Granger has the third lowest average depth of target in the Sun Belt, but he has this he's seventh in average yards per completion meaning his wide receivers can really yak, rack up the yak. He has an elite level o line. They've only allowed six sacks this season. So it's going to be a really good battle between a good unit in the Georgia State Panthers and a great unit in James Madison's defense. What do you expect? on Saturday. I think it'll be
0: competitive. I think it has a chance to be a pretty good game. The It's sort of the the one thing that JMU has all year is the passing attack, right? Jordan McLeod throwing it to Reggie Brown, Elijah Surratt seems like the best offense the Dukes have. And they've actually gotten really fortunate playing some terrible pass defenses. And Georgia state kind of falls on that list. Their secondary <laughs> is not very good. I think their the, whole defense is not very good. Yeah. They're in like the bottom, I think 15, or 25, something like that, and uh, passing defense success rate. They struggled to stop the pass, which is where I think JMU will go a lot. Weather forecast looks perfect. It's like 70 and sunny, which is pretty good if you want to just throw the ball a lot. So I think that matches up pretty well for JMU. The other area that's interesting, though, is that, as you mentioned, Georgia State can play on offense. Like Rangers, good. Carroll's good. They have some really good players. They're not quite as wide, not quite as scary as ODU but they could do some similar things. So I think it'll probably end up being fairly competitive with the Dukes leaning on the passing attack again, winnable game. But for me of the remaining
1: four games, I think this one's the toughest. I would agree with that. The, the, the stadium too, Sunbelt fans have been ragging on Georgia state this whole season, because like when you see their games on ESPN, it looks like an empty stadium. I believe they play in an old baseball stadium. That's now been converted to a football stadium. So there's just like a lot of the area that just isn't used. So it looks empty, but from sources that I have had, I've talked to around the nation. uh, My sources are telling me that it's actually kind of really difficult to play in a dead stadium like Georgia state is because there's no energy. Like you're used to getting hype energy or booed energy. Georgia state, there's nothing. So if you go down seven, nothing, 14, nothing, nothing, you have to rely on your own team to create that energy. I do think there's a chance that purple might outweigh blue in, in Atlanta this weekend, uh, mainly because I'm going, especially in terms of people who care.
0: Right. I feel like like those Georgia state games, like they've had some people in
2: the, Oh yes. The atmospheres
0: look so dead. Yeah. Even when they have like some people there. So jmu has got some rowdy fans who travel, including yourself. So I think it'll be, be interesting if they can get some energy from that um <laughs> yeah sources yeah. <laughs> it, it's a winnable game though which is uh which is exciting and, I, and a good one too if you can beat a 6 and 2 georgia state on the road that's a quality win
1: yeah and if you guys are there if anyone listening in is going and tailgating uh shoot me a dm at me on twitter something like that would love to swing by some tailgates I'll bring the bud light um, and have a great time this weekend at Georgia State. I can't wait. We'll we'll get to it in the picks in just a little bit. Should be a great game. Should be a great game. That brings us to News or Snooze. Presented by Christopher William Jewelers. Bennett will give me three quotes. I'll say if they're newsworthy or snoozeworthy. I have a feeling you're going to try and get me going here today.
0: That's the plan. That's the plan. All right, here we go. Let's see. Here, this will be a good one. This is from Kurt Signetti in his uh, weekly press conference. What's interesting about running the football, there was a time when running the football was the recipe for success. But if you looked at the top 10 rushing teams in the country and looked at their records, this is last year, that didn't really hold true. You've got to be able to throw the ball and make explosive plays. You've got to be able to run the ball, too, with some consistency and effectiveness. Kurt Signetti.
1: I agree. I think that's newsworthy. I agree with that, that takeaway. You, you, you do have to run the ball with some sort of consistency. So when you're up big, you don't run it three times and then punt it and then give your opponent like a chance to actually come back. Like we've seen five times this season. I also think it's not that important. If if you're, if you're moving the ball and doing extremely well passing the football, then why run it? This cracks me up coming
0: from him, though, based off of like their play calling the first half of the season, where it's like, you don't even have to run. It's like, then
1: why? Yes, they were running at like a 65% clip, especially on first downs to start the season, at a 30% success rate. And it's like, that's not adding up. Unless, do you think it was another fall camp miscue? Do you think like that's what they worked on and thought they were going to rely on their offense, and then it just took until the bye week to finally make that switch?
0: I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. I thought it was like.
1: Do you you think with Alonzo Barnett, they were thinking, okay, we're going to have this redshirt freshman quarterback in that we fully believe in, but we also don't fully believe in. So let's try and create a good rushing attack that the redshirt freshman can lean on. Maybe. And then that didn't work. Barnett gets benched. And then McLeod just wasn't that offensive style fit. And maybe that's been the issue with the running game. They weren't expecting to be doing this running attack with uh, McLeod. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, but it's crazy.
0: All right, here's another one. This is um, this is women's basketball. I pulled this out. This is from the Breeze. Oh, this are is they, a coach's
1: tweet? <laughs>
0: I'll do that as an honorable one. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, okay, this is from Sean O'Reagan. Uh, he said this to the Breeze. This is not tweeted by him. Uh, Heaven Bristow could be the most impactful we have. People are going to buy tickets to watch her play. Thoughts on this. She also, I don't know that her waiver has been approved yet. Don't say that word. Yeah, oh, Jamie fans when they get another waiver denial or <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna
1: Twitter acts, um. <laughs> it's gonna burn down.
0: But what are your thoughts on uh heaven Bristol maybe being worth the price of admission?
1: Sure. Newsworthy. I I've not watched a, any of her film. I I didn't expect her to be like, I was expecting this to be the Peyton McDaniel show. She also still doesn't have the waiver.
0: Ohio state transfer. The way he talks about her is that it'll be like season defining, like the waiver. So it'll, it's going to be interesting.
1: You know what else was a season defining waiver, the football one. And uh, look where we are. It's working pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting a
0: lot of, a lot more press than they would have if they just got a waiver. Nobody be talking about it.
1: It's actually right. kind of a good point.
0: Let's work in the Sean O'Reagan tweet here. Coach OJMU, he tweeted, "With the start of basketball season upon us, I'm deleting my social account, social media accounts, from my phone, so I can give my 100%. Uh, the typo in there, so I can give my 100% of my attention to our team and family. Our accounts will still be there, but I won't. The accounts will still be there, but I won't see any messages." At S, this is a really weirdly worded tweet. Until we finish in March, if you need me, call/slash text.
1: What a weird. tweet. <laughs> also, the end. If you need me, call or text me, Coach. We don't have your number. <laughs> <laughs> steak Sauce replied, "Coach, could you drop me your number so
0: I <laughs> can you up when I need you?" Shout out Steak Sauce. That was I
1: saw when you sent that, and I I died laughing. That's too funny.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That was that was a pretty funny one for sure. Um, I like that he says he's deleting it from his phone, though. So, like, he could, like... Get it on his desktop. Days over. Yeah, he's reviewing some film. Pulls out the <laughs> laptop and just scrolls from like, <laughs> What are those guys over at JMU Sports
1: News saying about me now? Do
0: you think it'll be, like, the Signetti thing? Where he's like, none of our guys are on social this week. We're locked in. Like, ask they're liking our tweets.
1: That was hilarious. Know. That was one of my favorite things. Or posting to their stories, like one of the most electric things. Yeah, I told them to get off social, <laughs> coach. None of them were off social. They're on it right now.
0: <laughs> that was a good. One. All right, the last one. This is the one that'll get you fired up. This is a section of a story in the DNR written by Shane Metlin. Um, relying on them for some content this week in our segment Tuesday. A source with with ties to Virginia Attorney General's office told the Daily News Record, it appears likely that the Attorney General will file a lawsuit against the NCAA with the hopes of making the Dukes bowl eligible in this, their second season transitioning from the FCS to the FBS. Snooze worthy.
1: Doesn't matter. This is is a bunch of hot air. This lawsuit... Apparently, according to sources that I have on Twitter, are telling me that if you talk about a lawsuit, you can't sue. Didn't know where that was written in the law, huh? <laughs> Weird. I get, and apparently, civil litigation his 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 whatever upset the, upset that he said civil litigation.
0: So he yeah he went on with this James. is
1: stupid. Oh sorry, Jamie off. Yes, James great Soundoff. interview by them.
0: Thirty minutes, interesting interview. Asked him some good questions. Didn't answer some of them or sort of ducked them.
1: Oh yeah, he's a politician,
0: right? It's his middle name. Interesting though that he's sort of talking about the lawsuit. Now we get this report that a lawsuit seems likely. A I lawsuit. still need. I still need to see it and no, I want to know what this lawsuit even is. Well, no,
1: he can't say that. When you file it, (laughs) you better save what's in it. I just, maybe I'm a really big pessimist. Maybe I just don't believe that, you know, politicians are out for the good of the American people. Maybe we can get down a whole list of things, but I truly do not think that this is coming from a place of wanting to get these student athletes, what they deserve. I think this comes from a place of politicians, seeing this as a cheap grab at, at votes ahead of an election And they're just going to say whatever they want. They're going to say whatever they think is going to get JMU fans riled up so that they can get, you know, a contingent of voters in the Northern Virginia, Richmond, Harrisonburg, 757 area, wherever the alumni bases are to vote for them. And it's a bunch of BS because they're not doing anything. There's also bigger problems within the state of Virginia than whether or not James Madison gets a waiver. Our attorney general should not be going on a 30-minute podcast Great get by SoundOff. Shout out to them for getting that interview. But there's no reason the attorney general should be going on a fan podcast. I'm saying this about us too. If we reached out to him for comment and he gave us a comment, don't give us the time of day. <laughs> we are nothing. Like, What are you doing? You're the attorney general of a state. Go do actual stuff. And uh, it gets under my skin. And, and it's also – I won't I won't go too far into politics, but it's also very interesting that this guy's the one that we're propping up and JMU fans are like, this is the savior of JMU athletics.
0: Now he does have a four-year term, so he's got two years until his next election. Do they uh, does Luis? I I don't know her I don't like, I her don't language. mess with her either. But um what's the what's the deal with just the whole push here? for like so long without coming up with any actual, like file
1: something. Nothing at all. What? It's been a month and a half, two months since his letter. It doesn't make a lot of sense. He also
0: says on, um, on the sound off episode, we're all JMU super fans here, which doesn't make me think it's like an unbiased lawsuit. You know what I mean? Like it's clearly one. Well, he
1: went to JMU.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like if he wasn't a diehard JMU fan, would he be floating a lawsuit? Or like, is it actually like, hey, I want to stand up for one of the universities? I don't know. I don't know. It all seems a little weird.
1: It, and and the reasoning he's using is very like heartfelt, and people and Steve Brown, who's on the Sound Off crew, he's kind of made really good points that aren't heartfelt about revenue loss for James Madison, um, the precedent set by allowing Liberty to make that jump up. Uh, and give, and granting them the waiver, granting other waivers that this precedent was set. And now you're kind of going back on the precedent that was set. You're taking revenue away from James Madison. And these are all things that you can sue against. But none of this is being said by the people that are going to sue. The people that are going to sue are saying, isn't this mean? The NCAA is mean, aren't they? And it's like, okay, I think you're just reading what Twitter's saying and you're just regurgitating it to try and get cool votes. Get out of here with that.
0: Definitely a little frustrating. I think there's a a valid point that JMU was like, more prepared and worthy of a waiver than any transitioning team previously. So, like, I think they should have gotten the waiver. I just don't think they're going to reconsider. I'm not sure how the lawsuit factors in even a little bit. Um, It also does not matter unless they're, like, clearly going to be the group of five team in a New Year's Six Bowl.
1: That and I'm also very confused what a lawsuit even stands on because you right. made the transition understanding the rules. Yeah. Like it, it's like, it's like someone complaining that your job doesn't let you say something and you're like, well, freedom of speech. No, you signed away your rights when you signed the contract to work for this company, right? Like, That's JMU, the part- like you signed away, you accepted the rules of engagement when you made this transition.
0: It's also, I think, some of the thing that bothered me a little bit with some of the fan push is where it's like, we're being so wronged by the NCAA and the Sun Belt for not being able to play in the conference championship. We did them a huge favor by joining the league. It's like, kind of. But they also did JMU a gigantic favor. Like, JMU playing a full Sun Belt schedule helped the Sun Belt. It also helped JMU, so they didn't play a dumb, fake transition year last year. They played the full schedule. They're getting a ton of national attention Recruiting's probably going to go way up because of like them yes. being in the sunbelt. It's mostly good. So they mm-hmm. might miss out on a new year's six game. They also like might have a few dumb turnovers and lose to Georgia state. And then everyone can just shut up. Like it's, they're not a guaranteed lock if they were eligible to be ranked to be above Tulane or air force right now, or at the end of the season to get the new year's six bid. And it's also like if they played like, I don't know, Washington. With the New Year's six bid, like that, that could get ugly. I don't know. Like maybe they hang in there, have a month to prepare, play great and win. It's like this great story. Or maybe you like stomp 57 to 17. Yeah, you pound your fist. You're like, we need a waiver. You get the waiver, and Michael Penix throws for like 450. So I don't know. It's not the end of the world if they just go through the season, win their games, maybe play in a bowl
1: game. I would love going undefeated going to the Bahamas Bowl that's being played up at Jerry Richards Stadium about 30 minutes away from where I'm sitting right now, <laughs> watching them beat some bad group of five team, and finishing the year with an unblemished record. That sounds like a great time. And then next it's year, cool. I hope we win a Sun Belt Championship and go to the New Year Six. Constable but it is a playoff. That's right. They next year it expands. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like next year's when it matters the most to like, uh, okay. yeah, not know. we'll see. Well, that's it for football. That's going to take us to our men's basketball preview. Unless you want to do pickums. Oh, I guess we do got to do pickums Now we, we both pick Troy. We want to put that on the record. Yes. Both pick Troy. Hopefully what I'm about to do though, doesn't screw up the podcast. One second. kind of screwed up the podcast but here we are all right sunbelt weekly pick them <laughs> <laughs> what, what did, did you do? do i just brought in the video file we're going to play here in a second good work uh south alabama troy did kick oh, i was zero zero yep they are we both took troy though so yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. lopez 18 yards <laughs> i picked south alabama no, you didn't <laughs> no i'm just <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i am coming back and making a really impressive comeback that people are talking about all around the you kidding, people, can me people in the, the grocery it? store the other day and they're like did you gain two games in subal Pickham? i was like yes that's me
1: you're correct right. <laughs> all right louisiana arkansas state
0: uh, i'm taking arkansas state here upset What? Upset special? yeah i think louisiana is a gigantic fraud even though they beat south alabama
1: I think Arkansas
0: State isn't even a team. Butch Jones has them close to bowl eligibility. I think they should extend him for a lifetime contract.
1: All right. Coastal ODU. I'm going Louisiana.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to go Coastal Carolina. They don't have Grayson McCall. Um, Is he out for season? It. They're talking about it in a way that makes it seem like he's not going to play for them again. Um, but Guest was really good last week. I think they're scrappy. They have good receivers that I think will be able to pressure ODU. I think this will be a fun game to watch, but I'll go with Coastal.
1: Uh, Coastal is a one-point favorite on the road at SB Ballard Stadium in Norfolk, Virginia. Give me ODU. Yeah, all right. With the Monarchs making a push at a real chance to win the East. ULM Southern miss I'm going ULM I'll take Southern miss this is one of those doing this is one of those
0: games that I think the loser should have to go to conference USA Um, the issue with that is that they probably win the league (laughs) so it's not quite the the punishment you'd expect but um both these teams suck yeah respectfully
1: Southern miss is a three-point favorite yeah they'll win it they're a great team Still hunting for their first, both teams, hunting for their first win <laughs> They're being hunted. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs>
0: Georgia Southern, Texas State. This is a great game. Great matchup here. The East has really dominated some of these. I think this one could be a shootout for days. I think Texas State wins this one. I think Texas State bounces back. G.J. Kinney gets the boys fired up, and they win a, a really fun one.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Texas state knows that they're playing for their kind of sunbelt championship lives here. Uh, and they're two point home dogs. The over under is set at 68 and a half an absolutely electric game. That's going to be going down at San Marcos, Texas. Give me the Bobcats of Texas state to win that Marshall app state. I'm going to go with Marshall.
2: Oh,
0: I was going to go with Marshall.
1: Did you know Marshall is one and three in the Sun Belt? Yeah,
0: they've been playing really bad. Coastal blew them out last weekend. I'm going to go with App State here. I think the home crowd and the fact that you picked Marshall make it a clear pick for me. I also think Sean Clark probably around this time getting the idea that this he's got a win zone. I think, he, but the issue is Charles Huff. I've seen some Marshall fans who want Charles Huff out, which feels like. An overreaction to some. A huge overreact. They
1: just don't have a quarterback. Like, let's, yeah, they still have an I mean,
0: elite level defense. Guys will be coaching Power Five in a few years. Sean Clark, I don't think will be doing that, but I'm going to, I'm going to take App State anyway.
2: Okay. This is a lot of differences. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: went for the straight chaos theory here in week 10 of the Sun Belt Weekly pickup. What about the boys? The boys, JMU, Georgia State. Who do you got?
0: I'll take JMU. I think, the gonna, I think I had 31-21 in the round table, something like that. I think they'll win this one. I think it'll be fairly competitive. Um, but I just think, I don't know, I feel like JMU's got a better football team than Georgia State.
1: I agree. I think Georgia State gives JMU an early scare, but I think the Dukes put everything away. Second-half adjustments, whatever buzzword you want to put in here, JMU wins 35-17. Yeah, that's good stuff. My boys,
0: South Alabama, my pick, took
1: an early 7-0 lead. <laughs> <laughs> They're I starting swear. quarterback because Carter Bradley is out. Lopez has 18 yards. Webb has five carries for 18 yards. Not sure how they scored that touchdown with all I'm seeing is not a lot of yards. Troy's sneaky good. Like, if Troy and Jamie, you played again, I'd be terrified. South Alabama, low-key, is on pace to be the highest-scoring game Troy's allowed in Sunbelt play. That's true. They already surpassed what Arkansas State was able to do. <laughs> All right, um, we will throw it on over to a very special guest we brought on for this week's episode. Uh, it was a pleasure talking with him, and then we will be back breaking down men's basketball and women's basketball uh, before we get up on out of here. So. Some great stuff coming down the pipe here on the second half of the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online, Three Notched, and Christopher William Jewelers. Take it away past us.
0: We now welcome in Jason Kreck, a very special guest who spent a lot of time in JMU's athletic department, uh, especially with the men's basketball program. So we're going to talk a little bit men's basketball, a little bit of athletic department communications. and just life, just general life musings with Jason. So, Jason, <laughs> thank you for joining us.
2: Absolutely. Happy to join you guys for life musings. Yeah, that's always the fun parts. Yeah.
0: We're excited for it. If you could give people a quick overview, because you'll do it better than I will, which is a classic podcaster cop-out <laughs> of of your role with JMU, how long you were there, because you were there until quite
2: recently. i yeah, I am um, so I came back to, I graduated from JMU in 2011. Uh, I worked while I was in college, I worked in, I guess what was then Sports Media Relations. Um, I think that was still the name of it. Um, I graduated. I worked two years at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. I worked a year at Virginia Tech, doing the same stuff. Uh, I came back summer of 2014 um, to what is is now referred to as athletics communications Uh, i was promoted to director of athletics athletics communications in the spring of 17 i want to say i could be wrong on that year uh they all start running together at a certain point but um was there up until um just recently about two or three months ago uh, i left the department um felt good about it felt good about where it was um, and was just looking to try something new. So, uh, still looking forward to trying something new, very excited about it. So, but, um, I, yeah, like, like Bennett said, I was for, uh, eight of my nine years, nine complete years of JMU, I was the men's basketball sports information director, uh, which is, uh, a short way of saying most of the information that faces externally with program, uh, I was responsible for that was uh, you know everything down to bios and stats on the website, to history and the record books, to um, setting up interviews and and pushing out stories to to media, both local and um, otherwise. Uh, running social media efforts for the programs I was responsible for, I was also I worked with both golf teams, which was great, um, but men's basketball certainly took up uh, a majority of of my time um, just from their visibility and. And that sort of thing and and so yeah i, I finished that up a couple of minutes ago but it was a it was a fun run it was a good time awesome can you uh
1: clear yeah. something up between bennett and i is it athletics communications
2: <laughs> or athletic
1: communication i believe
2: it's athletics communications yeah uh, i believe i am among the most guilty of just picking whether or not i use the ice on a given day and I, uh at random so i don't I believe I, it is athletics
1: i think it is too and every time i yeah. write it out it makes me feel right. wrong it doesn't it. i
2: i've never felt 100 you know, certain of either so i which is good <laughs> for your director of athletics communications but um i believe it is that <laughs>
0: I have to imagine the listener account right now is just spiking yeah. as we discussed is, the, the use of
2: S's. This know, is what the it. people want. This is why you brought me on. This Look, is, we've yeah. been we've
1: been podcasting for five years and uh we've done it through talking about S's. So that's, that's right. how we've that's how we've grown to where we are today. But starting off with your career, how did you decide to go into sports information directing?
2: Yeah, it was speaking <laughs> of fun syntax. <laughs> um, yeah so like i said i I actually started in it when i was uh, i was a townie Uh, i graduated from harrisonburg high school so my senior year uh, as you know one of the various internship programs i got connected with uh jmu legend gary michael um, who who was running the sports information department and so i did uh, sort of you know a few hours a week in the sports information office um, which was in the offices underneath the bridge side that no longer exists wow uh, the part that got torn down but um so i got started my senior year ended up going to james madison and starting sophomore year i started working as a student in the office uh you know as i kept going i had more and more duties and it became something that i was pretty interested in and just you know it, this, i talked about sports recreationally so i might as well get paid for it right and um, so it, it kind of just grew from there as, as I learned more of the business and frankly, as the business expanded, um, you know, SIDs today do not much different stuff, but more and different things than even I did when I started in the business, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, so that's kind of, got started. it was just a thing that I liked doing and jobs presented themselves and I I kept working my way up and and getting jobs that I wanted and and that sort of thing so uh yeah it was just kind of a natural fit I I was a giant nerd and I loved sports and that worked out perfect so yeah we're talking about
1: yeah. your giant nerds yeah
2: that's yeah, it. That's, that's, yeah, that's exactly yeah right. I, I mean I those things as a as a compliment yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh the
0: men's basketball duties tell us more about those And the uh, the travel aspect is one that I was interested in Um, going to road games of, what's that like from a a working perspective, but also the chance to to be a JMU alum, sort of watching the men's basketball team on a a regular basis. I imagine was pretty fun.
2: Yeah, it it was very cool. Um, It was it was a very. For the most part, a very positive part of the job Um, you get to, you know, I I went to JMU. I I loved going to JMU men's basketball games. I, so I, I was a fan first and foremost, and I, so to get the opportunity to travel with those guys and you get to know the student athletes and, you know, we've had some just awesome guys as Jamie men's basketball players, the last nine years that I've been there and, and we still do, they're still on the team. Um, so, so that was awesome, but, um, yeah, the, the day to day is there's a lot of, you know, you're, that that's one of the biggest thing that's changed. Um, you know even when i came back and even my second year back at jmu i started as the men's basketball co- contact and even then social media was significant but it's nowhere near what it is now um it's it's just gone through the roof and so it, the day-to-day is a lot of you know you're updating game notes during the season you're you know for those of you that don't know whenever espn flashes something on the screen of oh this is the fourth straight game he's had 20 plus points that comes from an sids game notes um any any notes like that streaks career highs all that good stuff comes from game notes so we're we're updating those during the week for the most part we're setting up interviews for previews and feature stories and all that stuff and then you know especially in the last few years social media is such a massive part of recruiting um you know these the the 16 and 17 year olds that that the coaches and the staffs are looking to bring in or that's how they their first contact with the program after a coach's email or a coach flags them down at an AAU tournament is usually to check twitter and instagram and they they want to go somewhere that's going to show them off they want to go somewhere that seems cool they want to go somewhere that's successful and so kind of finding a way to um, fit that message onto social media is is a massive part of the job now Uh, and and the best sids are ones who who can figure out a way to to take what the coaches are saying and what the players like showing off, and, and putting that out to you know, all the stakeholders, recruits, donors, um, the media, fans, all of all everybody who could be checking on Twitter and Instagram. So it was it it made for a lot of different, lot of different tasks and and a lot of different tasks all in one day most of the time. So yeah, and part of that that those
1: tasks and part of probably a lot of stuff happening throughout was the move from the CAA to the Sunbelt and the travel aspect of it I, I'm always so interested in the behind the scenes logistics of travel because you knew how to get to Delaware you knew the Towson road trip like everything like that that had been done for so many years before and then all of a sudden you're going to what Hattiesburg Mississippi yeah. Troy yeah. Alabama and, and you've never like not that wasn't on the non-conference schedule all that often so no. what was that travel switch like from an sid perspective
2: very different um and, and yeah i didn't ask this and i forgot to address it and so yeah it was you know in an old league it was continued because there were 10 teams and we had travel partners and so you knew you were doing the northeastern hofstra swing in one weekend and you were doing uncw in charleston in one weekend and, and that sort of thing and you know that was that was nice and it was handy because you know admittedly there were some good cities you know we got to go to Bo- I love boston i love everybody loves charleston you know you get to go to these spots that are pretty good you know i could i could do without Hempstead, but there were people there and so um but so yeah the the change to the ski belt was was really different from a travel schedule because we didn't have uh set in stone travel partners and so there were a lot of instances you know we did the, the first sunbelt road trip we did was i guess this was this past year so it wasn't the first one but um was at georgia state and then at marshall um and what am i talking about of course it was the first one i'm telling you all these years run together i sound like an idiot um i do this for a living but um so yeah it was the first thing you knew was at georgia state and then at marshall and there's that's not a fun drive at at all and you only have one day had one day in between that was a drive No, no no so that was the first private jet that we took um, a charter jet that we took since I've been a member of jamie men's basketball. Um, and and so we had a couple of those, and, and that's where training costs go. You know, it's it's more plane rides, but it's you know, sometimes you got to get from point A to point B faster than you know, American Airlines can take you, or faster than United can take you, or something like that. And so we're sponsored by NASA, Southwest actually, so faster than Southwest if, you can get. if listen, whatever, whatever gets you the free <laughs> miles, I'm fine with plugging whoever you want. But, uh, well, yeah, that is, that is the interesting part is it, it became much more, um, it, it honestly kind of made the team a little bit tighter because, you know, we, we were on some very interesting road trips. We had a non early in the year last season, we had, I think we spent like, uh, like 19 of 23 days on the road in the non conference because we went, um, see if I can see if I can do it from memory. Clearly, I'm so good at this. Um, I'll we, check you know, it. At, at Buffalo to at, um, uh, Howard was, it? was this last year? I don't remember. That uh, that sounds,
0: there was definitely the Buffalo road. road
2: it was game. Buffalo to yeah. DC. I think it was Howard, but I'm not hundred yeah. percent on that. Was that, um, yeah, probably, And then
1: yeah.
2: we got back and immediately like three days later, two days later left for UNC, played at UNC and then stayed on the road and went, cause it was Thanksgiving break and went down to the Charleston tournament uh i remember the savannah tournament and so it was just a long time on the road and i, I think that i'm probably hate the team it, it made them pretty close and you know you're you're with these guys one way or another it made the support staff really close that's that's you know we all hang out together pretty much for three weeks straight and so the, the travel is, is a different beast in the sun belt but i think it, it's for the best and it 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 has disadvantages because you got to find a way to get all these people different places but um i think the guys liked it i think you know it, it's pretty handy to, to ride on a bus right up to the plane and hop on the plane and then get off right on the bus. I'm not going to lie to you. That was pretty pretty convenient rather than sitting in a terminal.
1: Yeah,
0: that is nice. Yeah, fact yeah. check. You were, in fact, correct with those. I also love that that stat where it's like us at home watching the games. We're like, why are they not playing consistently when they <laughs> code for like yeah. three It makes like so weeks. much sense that last game. <laughs> the game, game
2: year year. In like have been in the last three weeks. It gets a little weird, but um, yeah. But yeah. Makes sense.
1: It makes sense Very how tough, uh, yeah. when the refs were 30 minutes late to the one game that I forgot uh, who well, it was. Listen,
2: and then... that Coppin then... <laughs> State game, we have to do the podcast again some other time to just give a full breakdown <laughs> of the Conference State trip. That yeah. was, I have seen some things at that game that I have never seen before in college basketball. It was fascinating. Ooh, but yeah, gosh. that was an 11 a.m. game. And yeah, nobody told the refs and told them it was 11 a.m. and good times. Good times
0: quite the experience yeah. you've also you had a chance to to interact with multiple different coaching staffs which I think is is interesting what can you tell us about the the Mark Byington group and sort of his personality because at least from our outside perspective he seems super sort of steady and level-headed kind of throughout an entire season and then throughout an entire game whether they're winning or losing
2: yeah I think that's a that's a good way of putting it and, and you know he he coached for most of the decade before he got to JNU so it, you know he he very much knew what he was doing the biggest thing that i could tell you he's very um he's very cutting edge if there is a new t- he he's not set in his ways at all um and not not from a, i mean not only in, in positive ways he's not uh, you know if there's something new that he can use to benefit the program to benefit the team to benefit the guys he's going to listen to it and he's going to you know take it into consideration you know he he's very big in analytics he's uh very much a player's coach in that like he gives the guys a lot of autonomy um and and defers to them to you know for on the road trip and he's like hey you know we could do these we could do x y or z what are you guys thinking that sort of thing and you know there's there's still string street street, there's still that sort of thing but but he's very much on on the cutting edge of, of how to run a program and he very much knows how to run a program and i think uh, you know it that's pretty obvious to everybody on the outside of of how quickly he's he's turned jmu into you know what what seems like for the foreseeable future it'll be a top top 100 program if not better um as it keeps getting as it keeps growing and keeps getting better and so that's always that he's, that he's enjoyable to be a part of to know that like you know not that i frankly none of the the three basketball coaches that i work with were like this but you you hear about basketball coaches that are that are set in their ways. And, no, I don't want to do this and, and grumbly and that sort of thing. And and that that is not the case with, with Coach Byington. It wasn't the coach with, case with Coach Rowe. It wasn't the case with Coach Brady. Um, so I was pretty fortunate in that respect.
1: That's awesome. And you also have had the opportunity to talk with or be around a lot of players, of course, talk with them probably, I'd imagine happens too. But one of them that I'm really interested in is Julian Wooden, his growth since when he first got there. Can you kind of talk about his jmu like what you've seen out of him and
2: and kind of the relationship you may have had with with wooden you know julian's older than i am so it's good that he you know is is probably still <laughs> oh that's that's me uh no julian I, what does he I have love... is
1: this his 15th year of eligibility i think, I think that's right yeah, yeah i think okay. that's
2: what i had in my game notes is year, year 15 uh no he's he's an awesome kid um he loves jmu and uh it's it's been great to that's, that's one of the most underrated parts about these jobs that we do is you see guys come in as for like, I remember Julian coming in as a freshman and I remember, you know, they're they're in the quiet and to watch them all grow into leaders is, is a very rewarding thing, um, that we get to do in our jobs. And, and Julian's as good as, uh, as an example, as anybody just, you know, he's been there, he's been here forever. He's been here for two coaches. He's the only person still on the team that's been there for two coaches, um, I, I'm I love that he's gotten to play so many years in the Atlantic Union Bank Center. You know, he played in the convo. He's the only one that played in the convo. Um wow. So it's, wow. it's cool and he's matured so much and, and he's you know, he's <laughs> Julian's quiet until the exact moment he's not, um, which is I I, I think uh I, I love that aspect about him. He's real quiet and and kind of sarcastic and jokey and And then when he needs to step up he steps up and that that's what you want out of your out of your probably your i think he's the oldest on the team at this point and no one might be up there i'm not sure but that's one of the great parts about the giant honestly lewis is probably the one that i point to the most because i think he had the biggest transformation of anybody i've seen because he came in and he was extremely talented as a freshman everybody could see that He, he scored and everything but when he when he finished at jmu that was one it was his team like that was matt lewis's team and he was that was a it was a grown man and he was incredibly mature and and you know coach byington said it often that like he he never had a bad day and he knew he knew his responsibilities uh, to uh you know to be the leader and you know just as incredibly talented as he was some days he you know you don't have your shot or something like that and even then his job was to make sure people were in the right spots and playing defense well and you know he was he's still is I think an underrated defender and so that's what you mean from your veterans and that's the kind of that's the kind of person that Julian is he's he's got he's so well acquainted with things at JMU he's so well acquainted with things and twitch Byington system um he's very talented he's very versatile and um you know can stretch a four out to the three-point line and can back a three down and that that's what you want from your one of your senior leaders yeah. Wooden's awesome. We love him.
0: Yeah. Lewis Lewis, his senior year, you mentioned, yeah, he was incredible as a player leader to
2: bummer. He got injured cause they were sort yeah, of running. That, in. you guys, that, that was his senior night was, that was tough for me. Yeah. That was, that was, that was emotional for me. Cause that, that was one of the more, he probably one of the most every injury is unfair. And I've seen a lot of very unfair injuries and you, you hate it for the student athletes. Mats is up there as one of the most unfair injuries i've ever seen in college sports because he you know he was there through the lean times and deserved to you know if if matt plays in that conference tournament we win every game by 20 points like i i was there for every game of that conference tournament and we would have rolled so anyways it's too i can't talk about it it's too emotional
0: That was a tough one for sure. Are there any uh do you have a favorite moment with your time with the men's basketball team over the years? I'm sure you have a, a lot that sort of come to mind, but is there is there one that stands out among the rest?
2: There are a lot, and the, the one that stands out among the rest is very simple because probably a lot of people's, but that that Virginia game in Harrisonburg was it you know I I was talking to a couple of people after the game and I, that had been around the program like they had for a long time, and, it, and I told them it felt like it's like the culmination of a, a lot of people, a lot of people busting their bats, um to to kind of pull JMU men's basketball up and, and to where we know it should be and to have them all come together for that game. Um, it, my, my friend was like running around before the game and like making sure everything's in order because we had more press for that game than most of the others, obviously, and I was making sure everything was straight, making sure everything was good. And I can't remember if it was one of my friends in the department or if it was it was one of the I, I won't name him, but one of the longtime media writers. And they were just like, hey man, relax. Like you give yourself five minutes and like just take it in because you need to like you, you know, busted your bank for so long for this. You need to look at this too. And so I did, and I was very thankful for it. Um so to see that point play, play, like I I was the men's basketball SIDs for games in the convo where I could very clearly in the other end of the scorer's table and I could very clearly hear what we were saying in the huddle because there was nobody in the gym, and so to see to see the new arena full, and us beating you know one of the top programs in the country and and that sort of thing I was that was a pretty awesome moment and that when when finally grabbed that last rebound I still maintain that that's the loudest I've ever heard a basketball arena and so. Um that, that was that's an easy one. It's, it's kind of a cheat card, but it was genuinely a, a very like it made a lot of stuff worth it. It made a lot of extra hours and and that sort of thing worth it to see that.
1: Yeah, that game was something to call. Uh, that was, I think, when he patented the shot you shouldn't take, but somehow yeah. it's
2: uh, it. no, 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 he was shot. that was <laughs> yeah, that he was a
1: game
0: like, winner. Put on rollerblades for the last, last two shots and yeah. it, was, <laughs> it,
2: was, it was getting it all was over. It was interesting horizontal when he hit that game winner. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. Impressive
1: is a word you can use for it. Um it's scary. A, it's a word we can use now for sure.
2: <laughs> um, maybe with the games there, not less so, but now we can
1: use it. So. now that you're a fan watching these games at home, I gotta know you've worked college basketball, you've worked college football, but when you're sitting and now that it's crossover season, so you have the choice of both on a Saturday, are you going college football first or college basketball first?
2: That's that's such a hard question. Uh I think especially in, to be fair, I have not experienced college basketball without being an SID in a decade. And so I, I there's a lot of it I'm worried about what it's going to be like. And, you know, the, the men, Jamie men on the road for the first two games this year, but like that first game at home is going to be very strange for me. And probably tough and someone's going to have to like dictate me to a seat or something like that um i can't will be a, there. i'll be there but can't get um, a
1: tech as a fan that, that yeah we, we yes. might have to <laughs> uh,
2: no comment uh, but <laughs> so I, I admit to having not, not experienced college basketball as a purely a fan in a long time but i will probably still say college football if for no other reason then it's further removed from my what was work a couple months ago Um, And it'll be, it's more, it's been more recreational for so many years. Um, It'll it'll probably be college football until I get used to it. And then we'll have to reevaluate sometime in the winter and just see if I've, see if I've adapted to being a fan. Yeah, we'll loop back.
0: That's 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 fair. Yeah. Yeah. Quick follow-up. What was it like working? having sort of that JMU fandom also having to to work the game i imagine there were certainly many times when the the fandom wanted to come out what were the the <laughs> tricks and tips to to hold it in? <laughs>
2: yeah now your your fandom pretty much constantly wasn't about and although it was I, mean, I was pretty bad at keeping it uh swallowed up and professional um yeah, there were times there's a very famous clip of me. I think it was uh Matt Lewis's buzzer beater at Hofstra to force overtime, where I yeah, yeah. essentially <laughs> come up out of my seat and you see it on the broadcasts on the scores table, and that's not okay. Um so I, if, if you're looking for advice for me to, to control that, I am absolutely the wrong person to ask. I'm terrible at it. Um it was very difficult. It was very difficult to conceal frustration with refs. It was very difficult to conceal excitement for awesome moments. Uh, I was, I was very bad at it, and you would think I'd have gotten better in eight years. And I, if there's was progress, it was minimal. I will fully cop to that. And now I just get to say whatever you want and cheer and that sort of thing. And I've been at a couple of football games as a fan now, and yeah, I'm leaving. I'm learning how to be a fan. It's great.
1: <laughs> My hot take is that I think SID should be treated like coaches, where you can get excited and go Most a little time. crazy and um, that's, but I mean, you make it easier
2: for the people after me because I was just full at it. Uh
1: my last question is a very important one. You've worked a lot of games in the box and Fourth mm-hmm. at the Atlantic Union Bank Center at Convo. pre-game meals. <laughs> best pre-game meal you've ever had. Whether it's at JMU, it could have been at that school in Blacksburg, or maybe sure. down in Jacksonville. But all time best
2: pregame meal. Oh my gosh, that is such a hard question. I know I'm going to forget. There's a 30 chance I'm gonna, like, I'm going to say something, and then someone will text me, and be like, "Oh, you forgot <laughs> this," and it'll be, of course, that's the answer. Um, there were a couple. There were a couple places down south that did barbecue really well. Ooh. I think. Um. I was at the SMU football game as an employee. I don't remember what they had as pregame meal. I remember we had incredible barbecue the night before. I'll say that, um, but that feels like a cheat code in Dallas. But um, gosh. the tough thing is I'm... Especially from games in Houston, especially basketball, I was ringing around so much that a lot of times I didn't get pre-meal, which was not... You didn't miss um, out on the Papa John's all that much. We had... You know. Miss those phone calls. But I um, mean <laughs> we, we had some really good barbecue at a couple uh, home basketball games this past year. We kind of expanded our expanded our menu. Um and I got some good reviews about that. Uh, it it's I I'm really, really i kind of remembering specifics, which is very bad of me. And I apologize to whoever whichever blatant one I've forgotten. Uh, but it's you know, barbecue is probably my favorite food. So the, the times that people are like, you had pulled chicken, I'm just like Great. I will eat enough to put myself in food coma for the first <laughs> quarter. That sounds wonderful. Um th- that's probably the pick is any anybody that had slow cooked meat of any kind. Good answer. Yeah. It's a topic, like, but I'll
0: take it. It's like family, family feed stuff. Good, Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can't go wrong with any of them. Yep. Before we let you go you have tweeted some some good stuff about just college athletics in general now that you don't have any uh any limitations on your tweets really so where where can uh where can people find you on the internet if they want to follow yeah. along
2: um yeah I tweet things for the most part until that site you know goes into the fire permanently uh but I tweet things um at Jason Frank. uh I used to um uh, on another podcast that me and my buddies do about college football called the wheel route Podcast. that is that's a great uh, name. available. Thank you. It's, it's the best route. We figured we needed to. it was aspirational. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the wheel route, it's me and a couple of buddies and talk about college football. We make some make some picks, um, talking about the goings on and whatnot. So nice main places. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay fame, trying to wheel low, trying to ration my hot takes a little bit. But those are the those are the splits you can find them if you're if you're interested.
1: I don't Perfect. know if the wheel. Route, I don't know if the wheel route's the best route, though. I'm a fan of the oh, play action seam, tight
2: end seam. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it's a good one, but it's not the uh, wheel listen, route. We've got we've got something to say, it's, it's the wheel route. All right. Well, thank I'm a you shovel so much, pass
1: guy. Oh, shovel Ooh.
0: pass. Yeah, I don't know if it's really a route, but I like them.
2: <laughs> Two yards and then stop and turn around. <laughs> yeah, <so> that's, good. <laughs> that's my personal
1: favorite. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. We appreciate the time and. Uh,
2: Good luck with the wheel route. I appreciate it. Happy to join you guys. Uh, looking forward to the basketball season. Thank you guys.
0: We're back. You're muted, but that's, that's okay.
2: We're
1: back. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much to Jason for coming on the podcast, talking about his experiences in SID, giving some really interesting insights into it all. I think the most interesting insight he gave was – about the uh the road trip last year for men's basketball. I didn't realize they were on the road for so long and it makes a lot of yeah. sense why they kind of laid an egg against Valpo.
0: Yeah, some inconsistency there when you're traveling as much as they were. I think it's easy to like expect college athletes to just be great every week and then you remember that they're college kids like traveling, doing a lot of different stuff, so it's easy to be really inconsistent, which is
1: kind of what makes college sports so fun. Yeah, exactly. Taking a look at what to expect out of, we'll start with men's basketball first this season. It's a team led by Terrence Edwards. They have a few big-time transfers joining the roster uh, to go along with Noah Friedel, who's coming off of his career worst in C, in a three-point percentage, but looking for a rebound year here in 2023. Uh, who, who should JMU fans really keep an eye on for this upcoming basketball season? Everyone okay they have no they're it's like the same thing that they do with buyington every year where they're like maybe 12 deep
0: so i, I don't know exactly without a
1: player taller than six eight
0: yeah so they don't they don't get huge again so tj bickerstaff i think is a pretty important name to know boston college transfer also um started his career at drexel good rebounder good post player he's going to get a lot of minutes uh, justin Amadi came back and suffered a leg injury so he's out for the year which means you're also probably going to see Jalen Carey, a true freshman forward. I think he's six, seven, six, eight, but he's got a lot of size in terms of like weight. So six, they list him at six eight two forty five. 245. So like a pretty Dwight Wilson esque um, kind of body, good player. Jarrell Roberson has some length. Do they, they give him six, nine on the roster? Yes. Yeah, they, they, I guess they, give they also give, they give it to Biggerstaff. Um, So maybe a little taller than some seasons. They've got some good players I'm excited about this season. Um, and then a lot of transfers that like maybe will be good. I don't know. So they they brought in Bryant Randleman, who's a guard who can defend and get out in transition. But he's six of 40 his entire career from three as a guard, which is like four seasons. So that's like he doesn't shoot threes, really. Yeah. Um, Michael Green, Robert Morris transferred, probably going to be the starting point guard. Quincy Allen, ton of talent, right? Top 100 recruit back in the day. Which was like two years ago, uh, went to Colorado, didn't play, had like a hip injury. They have Raquan Horton, College of Charleston transfer, who was like a role player for them. And then, of course, they get, you mentioned Edwards, they'll have Julian Wooden, Noah Friedell. So, like, they've got a lot of guys who could be good. It's just the same thing they have every year where it's like, what's the rotation going to be in February?
1: Yeah. Uh, and, if they match up with another dominant big like they did in the yeah. Sun Belt tournament against South Alabama, granted they did a good job of kind of keeping Kevin Samuel out of it, but because they had to commit so many bodies to stopping him, it opened up a lot of space on the floor. So that would be really interesting to see. What are your expectations for JMU this season? Is it to win the Sun Belt regular season and, and get a berth in the uh, NCAA tournament? That'd be cool. I Is
0: think that that's- your
1: expectation? I would say that's the goal.
0: I think my expectation is sort of the same with football, where I want them to contend for the yeah. Sunville title. If they're like last year, what were they, fourth? Yeah, but, they were fourth and then made the semifinals. Maybe a little bit disappointing if they do that again. I think you'd love to see them be top three, maybe make it to the final. We'll see. But they they have enough depth, even with Amadi Hurt, that it would be really disappointing, especially against the schedule, if they don't win at least 20 games yeah. and give themselves a chance in the Sunbelt tournament would be my
1: thought. So preseason picks. My MVP is going to be Terrence Edwards. I feel Uh like that's a cop-out considering, like, I think he was the preseason player of the year. He was definitely up there. Who's your preseason
0: MVP? I'm going to pick Edwards. I don't see any situation where he's not the guy. I will say he had a brace on his wrist during media day. He sat out at least one of the secret scrimmages – Interested to see if he plays against Michigan
1: State in the season opener. Yeah, because really that Michigan State game and really the entire non-conference, and I don't mean to poo-poo non-conference, but it doesn't mean anything.
0: They're not getting an at-large berth with this schedule. Like, they have to go probably
1: undefeated, and even then, I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. That if you're only if Michigan at-large.
0: State become like stays as yeah. good as they're supposed to be, and you can really point to that and be like, look. But yeah, it's, it's, it. no, it's just such a weak schedule.
1: So, like, he could very well sit out. Um, I think when he's healthy, this guy, Terrence Edwards, he's going to be averaging 25 points a game in Sunbelt play. He can score, he can rebound, he can pass. Like he does so many things that he's just going to be the guy. Yeah. Most improved. Oh. I'm going to go Roberson for the mere fact that I think he's going to have a really big role this year with Amadi out. I think he's one of the lone guys that provides length, provides height, provides size down low. And I say most improved because he didn't really play at all last season. So there's yeah. only one way to go, and that's up. Could be like Jalen that. Carey too, though, but he's starting from nothing. So you can't really give him the most improved. No,
0: first year in college, that'd be cheating. I would um, – I'm going to say Friedel. No, Friedel. Oh, that's a, that's a great pick. I think – great answer, great answer. <laughs> I think he uh, shoots closer to 40% from three again, like he did at South Dakota State, and they get that back. He's also – You look at the roster, it's like if anyone should be taking threes, it's probably him. They have
1: a lot of guys who like should not be taking threes. Probably shouldn't be taking make threes. (laughs) Friedel is primed for a bounce back year. If he shoots 40%, I think JMU is the best team in the Sun Belt. I think if he shoots at last year's clip, they're a contending team in the Sun Belt. I think if he shoots what he was shooting at South Dakota State, they are the best team in the Sun Belt. The crazy part is that, like, all of last year his shot looked so good and it yeah. just, like, didn't go down. Yeah. Hopefully it regresses to the mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sixth man. Oh. Julian Wooden. They could start Wooden, though. I could see them starting him. Uh, but but I don't think they will with what Byington likes to do. they could bring him off the bench. He would be a
0: good sixth man.
1: He was I'll a sixth say, man last year. I'll say –
0: Xavier, Xavier Brown. Brown. Yeah.
1: yeah. Is Xavier that who you said?
0: Brown. Yeah. he's my. I like him a lot. I don't know exactly how much run he'll get. He's got a chance to kind of back up Michael Green, I guess.
1: Or start. He could start. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a fun one. I'll, I'll pick him as six man. Yeah, so men's basketball, they get their season tipped off in just a few days against Michigan State. Thank you again to Jason for coming on, talking some overarching men's basketball things, some SID stuff. It was really a pleasure having him on. I'm really excited for this men's basketball season. I'm also really excited for the women's basketball season because without Kiki Jefferson, there's kind of this question mark of who's going to be that player for the Dukes. It was expected before the heaven Bristow transfer in. I really thought Peyton McDaniel um, was going to be that player. She was an off the bench, six woman type of type of player for the Dukes last year, but has a lethal three point shot. And I thought if they got her involved in the offense more, she could start putting up some gaudy numbers with the way she shoots it. But if they get this waiver with Bristow, all of a sudden, I think it's a completely different dynamic for this team. You still have – why am I blanking on her name?
0: Susha Kozlova.
1: Yes. Kozlova down low, who was a monster last season. Um, I'm really excited for, for women's basketball, too. Should be good. The way
0: Coach O and his media availability, sports blog, podcast thing, he talks <coughs> about Br- Brit. Yeah, okay. He talks about um, Bristow like she's like a freak athlete, but maybe not like a twenty point per game player, which makes me think she could, if she gets the waiver, be setting up McDaniel for some huge games. So I still think McDaniel's going to put up a absurd season, regardless of what happens with Bristow. But it's a uh, it's a pretty deep roster. They've got a lot of really good players. Added some nice transfers in addition to to Bristow. They've got Carol Miller from Virginia is just sort of a solid player, and then Ashanti Barnes, community college, transferred in from a community college. I think she started her career at ODU and has some ability at the the forward spot. So it's a pretty uh, pretty nice team. And then Olivia Mullins, point guard transfer, should be really good.
1: Jamia Hazel also showed yep. flashes throughout her entire career of just being an yeah. absolute takeover machine. So if yeah. she can kind of find that consistency, I think that one, two, three punch between Bristow, McDaniel and Hazel can be really lethal. Um, of note, Kobe King, Hawea ding, no longer with the team after some very weird things. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. She's, uh, she's married. She just like went to Montana and like didn't respond to the team after the end of last season. Who knows? But so she's no longer with the team. Um, Your expectations for this team. Is it to win the Sunbelt again? I think contend if
0: they get the waiver for Bristow, though. Yeah, I'd be a little disappointed if they don't win. But if if they don't get that waiver, I think contending again, being in the mix, winning 20 plus games, kind of similar to the men where they should be good losing Kiki's tough, but like they've got plenty of firepower to be good
1: and they could. Maybe put something together in this non-conference slate to get an at-large, depending on how the season true. goes. Because unlike the men, they have good non-conference games like yeah. uh, VCU, Michigan State, uh, Wake Forest, Maryland. Just whenever yeah. you're playing kind of a P5 team with name recognition, always helps your at-large chances. A lot better than when you're playing Hampton, Howard, Eastern Mennonite, Bridgewater, uh, Insert <sighs> junior college here at the very least they're going to be way more fun to follow in november (laughs) and december yes yeah all right so same question mvp most improved player for women's basketball and sixth woman of the year i'll let you start first with the mvp i'm gonna go paint mcdaniel i think she's gonna put up millions of points i'm gonna go hazel really I love That's Hazel's big. game. I mean, I think it was the Troy game we were at last year where she kind of had a moment of takeover.
0: Yeah, she's a great athlete.
1: I just think if she can find that consistent clip, she may become the the 1A option through this offense, and I'm very excited to see that. Peyton McDaniel, that was my initial choice, but you took it. So I wanted to go a little different, so I went with Hazel. Okay. Most improved. Give me
0: Anna Goodman
1: from what I've been reading.
0: I think the DNR was where I was reading this. She's going to get some run, made some progress. I guess last year she was banged up and like didn't practice like for months leading into the season. This year she has been practicing. It's supposed to sort of have a nice post presence with Kozlova. Apparently Coach O is tinkering with both of them on the court at the same time, which I think would be interesting. So I'll say Goodman has a chance to to really take a step.
1: That would be 12 feet and eight inches of player in the post. That'd be pretty impressive. If they were able to run out a big lineup, that was good. I'm going to go with Steph Odekirk as the most improved. I like that. Steph Odekirk last year played in a career high 34 games, started a career high 22 games last season, a career high in minutes as well, but had career lows in field goal percentage, three point field goal percentage, um, and and really didn't outperform rebounding as much as you would have expected with her jump in minutes, uh, had just 20 more rebounds in about 100 more minutes. Uh, so I think Steph Oderkirk has the opportunities, the red shirt junior from uh, Spotswood high school, the local product. I think she's going to have her opportunities if she can take advantage of them. And if she can become kind of a, a 30% three point shooter, like she was to start her career. Um, I, I think that'll be a dangerous kind of option opposite of Peyton McDaniel and six man of the year. I will take
0: Carol Miller, Virginia transfer grad transfer covered her at UVA pretty steady. I think she's just going to be steady. My guess is they bring her off the bench. And she's just like solid wouldn't expect her to have a bunch of like 25 point games or anything, but I think she'll, she'll come off the bench and make a lot of really nice plays and be a reliable veteran.
1: I'll go. I want to go either Chloe Sterling. Oh, I like that pick or Ashanti Barnes. Yeah. I think those are great picks. I'm going to go a mix of them. My final pick will be Chloe Sterling just because we've seen her in action just a little bit. Uh, But I think the sophomore point guard has an opportunity to really build off of her freshman year, appeared in 26 contents, contests, had about seven minutes played per game. I think she can take a, take a step forward and be a really pivotal point guard coming off the bench uh, and providing a lot of facilitating action for the Dukes. Love it. I mean, this has been a this has been a behemoth of a podcast. And we gotta, oh, we gotta do listener questions. Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hold on. I want to fire these at you. I want to make you answer some listener questions.
1: This might be our longest one of the season.
0: Yeah, this is a long one.
1: Sorry, I was reading something. (laughs) This is great podcasting. Here at the minute, the the (laughs) hour 36 mark, and it just goes silent.
0: (laughs) Hold on. Hold on, folks. If you've made it this far, congratulations because you wanted to listen to your questions. Okay. Okay. Well, here we go. Daniel Merriman. First question, Terrence Edwards stat line prediction for JMU men's basketball, Michigan state. I assume that's what it was, or it could be just his
1: season, I guess from Daniel Merriman. Yeah. Uh, it might mean season. I don't know. Uh, stat line. He's going to finish with 21 points per game. I'm going to say on the season, yeah, 21 season. points per game, seven rebounds, three assists. Okay.
0: S- 16 points per game, six rebounds, five assists, 2.1 steals, 0. 0.7 blocks. <laughs> I hate you. Okay. Some One of the questions was from James Hempel was just to talk about soccer. Did we do that sufficiently?
1: No. Uh, Jamie, men's soccer took down the number one team in the country, the UCF Knights. Utah. Massive res on the road. So a massive resume builder can literally not get a better win than that. Uh, so they're at large considerations, very much in play now at this point in the season because of their strong non-conference play. And, and now as they head into the Sunbelt tournament, they're they're riding a lot of momentum going into that massive, massive win against UCF.
0: Who would win if Charlotte and Jamie played in men's soccer? Charlotte.
1: Okay, <laughs> disrespect. <laughs> it would be a good game. I haven't watched enough Char- uh I haven't watched enough Charlotte soccer as I've watched everything <laughs> You're streaming JMU during their game. I haven't watched enough JMU soccer this season, but like I, Charlotte's defense is elite. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, men's soccer maybe uh maybe a little uh
0: tournament spot would be pretty cool. If
1: Charlotte and JMU somehow found their way to play each other in, in the in in the CAA tournament and it was like relatively close, I might have to find my way there.
0: Yeah, would be pretty cool. Um, we also have volleyball postseason coming up. Women's soccer, we hit on a little bit. They got South Alabama top seed on Friday. Not good. That'll be tough because they're not really a scoring team, but they play good defense. We'll see what happens there. Field hockey season is almost over, and then we'll dive in and deep dive there. Maybe maybe just no. myself in the winter. Um, and uh, golf seasons, they're waiting till the spring. Yeah, I think cross country finished second out of 13 teams in the Sunbelt Championships. Big time. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. 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 From Patrick McGrath. What are your thoughts? Field McGrath is handled pretty good. What are your thoughts on how our O-line will hold up considering the injuries slash moving parts?
1: I think it'll hold up fine. Yeah. I, I I think it's really beneficial that we have a mobile quarterback and I think the run game already sucked. Yep. So I, I don't think there's, I don't think they're like all of a sudden going to allow like three sacks a game or anything like that. I think they will be fine. Nick's Tyler Stevens uh, is a, is a, has been a solid rotational guy on the line. It's not like they're putting in some inexperienced freshman. No, I think he's a red shirt junior who has eight career starts and was supposed to be the, the future left tackle if we had stayed in the FCS. So I'm not worried about that.
0: Nope. Bringing in Josh Toner a little bit too. Who's got plenty of experience. They'll be fine.
1: They'll be fine. Yeah.
0: All right. From Alex, Alex 092975. Alex,
1: bunch of numbers. Well, I have a feeling that's probably his birth date. September 29th, 1975. Oh, like meaningful numbers. That's tough on me. All right. <laughs> who, do, who do you think will give Jamie the most fits? This is a good question by Alex
0: as well. <laughs> who do you think will give Jamie the most fits? Darren Granger at quarterback? Marcus Carroll, running back, or whoever Lewis is a wide receiver or someone completely different. Also who steps up the most in this game on offense
1: and defense quarterback. Darren Granger will provide more issues for Jamie's defense. Uh, in the past, Jamie's defense has struggled just a tad. We've talked about it almost every time they play a dual threat quarterback. If they can slow down Darren Granger, I'll stop talking about it. I swear I'll stop. But for the time being, Darren Granger, he has a lot of designed runs as a quarterback he has the autonomy to do what he wants in that offense. He's an experienced dude. He remembers what happened last year. I'm really worried about what Darren Granger is going to do to this Duke's defense, and I think Jordan McLeod is going to have to step up offensively, and he's going to have to go toe to toe with arguably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt in Darren Granger and Jalen Green for the defense. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Green or Chauncey finally. Logan.
0: It'd be nice to see Green finally produce. <laughs> be nice to see chauncey logan produce. i agree though i agree on the granger i agree on all counts all right from mangy dog coaches haven't figured out third downs yet the conversion rate is 30 conversation 30. yeah i know i tried I gave him a <laughs> an assist 30 30.77 next to last in the sunbelt they tagged the sunbelt just so the sunbelt's aware that like we stink on third downs fix this waiver <laughs> it parallels the rushing game fourth from last now another offensive lineman is down. Is 12-0 possible hobbling along this way? Good question. Look, they've gotten to 8-0 oh this way. <laughs> so, yes. I would agree, especially one of the games is UConn. You can pretty much just, like, slap your knees with a hammer before the game, go out there, and still probably beat the Huskies. So, I think they've got a pretty good chance of uh,
1: – if they can get through this one. Yeah, and, like – That's doing a great so- question, though. It is a great question. Yes. But they've gotten to this point undefeated in – they're five and oh in one position. They've done enough. And to what you've said, they're pretty good on first and second down, right? They're great on. They're they're one of probably the, if if they kept that conversion rate, JMU the amount of first downs that were converted into first downs, I would I'd bet five dollars that JMU is the best in the Sun Belt with that. Yeah. Okay. Here's a here's a good
0: one from Washington Wizard season is basically what this is. Um, like they have two records: six and two, and one and three. I don't know. Wizards. Oh, it's Ravens and the Wizards. Okay, got it. Anyway, how do you think JMU men's basketball fits together so many new faces this season? And their profile picture is the Baltimore Oriole. They
1: are a Wizards, Ravens, Orioles, JMU fan. Okay. Um, How do I think JMU's men's basketball will fit together with so many faces? I don't think it's more new faces than they've had in years past. And this is kind of the culture of mid-major college basketball at this point. If you're a coach that doesn't know how to make these faces fit together, you're not a coach. Uh, I think Mark Byington will get them all bought in. They've been having camp for a long time now. And you have kind of the vocal leadership roles that are kind of established. Julian Wooden has been there for a long time. Noah Friedel's in his second year. Xavier Brown, the point guard, is now a sophomore in his second year. Uh, You got Roberson. You got enough continuity between 2022 to 2023 that I think the Dukes will be fine. Here's what's
0: going to happen. They're going to win some games early, lose some games early. Byington's going to say, we're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure out our guys. Then they have a really easy stretch. Hampton, Coppin State, Morgan State, leading into the Christmas break. They're going to win all those three games by a billion. Then they're going to go on vacation for the holidays, come back and be a little sloppy. Or Byington's going to say, you know, we're trying to get our feet under us after our holiday break, which threw off some cohesion that we're just starting to build. And then they will start to like his team on February 1st.
1: Sounds great. Uh, Bill Papp, bottom underscore nine, key to the men's hoop season. Outside shooting, perimeter D, T.J. Bickerstaff inside, something else? Sure, all of it, yeah. I think outside shooting is going to be the real key. I think Noah Friedel regressing or progressing to his career mean is going to be massive. And from the reports coming out of Shane Metlin, sounds like, and and I I apologize for relying on him so much, uh, but it sounds like that Friedel was getting used to the offense last year and he's used to it this year. Yeah, they need him and wooden him and wooden to shoot threes. Yeah. Uh, Grant Horan, Very funny, very funny question. Bridgeforth with the record attendance, ready to admit, ready to admit we should complete the lower bowl? Haha. <laughs> in actuality, <laughs> I feel like JMU's viewed in two majorly different lights right now. America's team let them pe- play. Crybabies who don't want to follow the transition. Do you think it's better for the JMU brand to find a way to split the difference? Or do we continue to embrace the villain arc and say, love us or hate us, we don't care, go Dukes? I think only chronically online people hate us. And because anyone who's asking a question in this is also likely chronically online, like Bennett and myself, you're seeing a lot of the hate. But on a national perspective, I think we're loved.
0: It's very localized, like Liberty or some Sunbelt fans are like, shut up. And we're like, wow. People hate us,
1: but the majority of the majority of fans, I think are like Matt Berry. Isn't going to go on an ESPN broadcast and be like, let them play. The NCAA disgusts me. If like there's a strong contingent that didn't like us, I would agree. All right. For Ben Aconlon, this has been a behemoth of a podcast. If you've made it this far, I hope to see you at the live podcast on November 17th at 5 PM. And thank you for sticking with us. Man, I gotta edit this whole thing for Bennett Conlin. My name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Been the debate, JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. See ya.